0: Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time you are tuning in. Welcome to Homesteading and Gardening in the Suburbs. I'm Emma from Misfit Gardening, and today I want to talk about um, organic pest control, really without spraying, and talking a little bit about how to control pests in the garden without using pesticides. Because unfortunately, pests happen in the garden, I'm afraid. It is part of the natural balance of the world that is your garden, and really, as stewards of the land we're here to help bring balance to the garden and I like to use a more integrated pest management style of gardening that I learned during my permaculture design course and I really like to let the natural predators do the work. It's not necessarily because I'm a super lazy gardener, but I'm a very busy gardener, (laughs) Um, but oftentimes what I find is that my garden over the last few years has just gotten better and better and better, and has been more alive with beneficial insects that are coming from all over, um, not probably just my local neighbourhood, but maybe even the neighbourhood beyond, because there's just so many things that are there for beneficial insects to be part of. I, I really love every year when I've gone out and I've found praying mantises, like that's not something that I had really seen. Um, certainly in the UK we don't have them, but being able to see them up close and personal and just you know watch them as they are tackling the pests and doing their thing is really quite fascinating. Um and although I'm incredibly squeamish when it comes to certain types of uh bugs, particularly spiders, um, you know, it's really fascinating to watch them in the garden as a whole. And my husband always thinks it's really really. really funny that if I see a spider in the house I am like jumping as high as possible well away from it you know screaming bloody murder about this spider and you know all the dogs are like jumping around me at the time but in the garden I'm just able to kind of breeze past them um and and work with them that are in there so you know using these more um integrated pest management styles of gardening can take time. And, um, you know, sometimes, you know, I really want the cabbages not to be half chewed by snails. Um, If you're on the Facebook group, then you will have seen the picture of the uh, cabbage that has been decimated by a snail. Um, But also I get it, right? I don't want squash bugs to be invading all of my winter squashes and those dang Mormon crickets that appear every year I don't want them to have eaten my first ripe tomato and they did this year they got to it before I did so I get it when you say that you want to control the pests um, in your garden but for a sustainable organic garden we need to be looking from the viewpoint well rather than looking at it from the viewpoint of kill all the pests we need to change your mindset and start looking at it to what are these pests telling me about my garden? So let's talk a little bit about what that story is because pests typically attack weaker or stressed out plants just as, you know, if you've ever watched, you know, a nature show on TV, you know, the predators are typically picking off, you know, the weaker um, animal in the herd and pests are doing the same. They're often an indicator that something is going wrong in the garden. And one of the common reasons for things going wrong is often the soil. And the soil is, you know, typically the main reason behind weaker plants. Plants that have a healthy soil and adequate fertility around their roots tend to have a better immunity system and are able to resist plants and diseases. So by fixing the soil, by using organic gardening methods, you know, like mulching and applying compost, those kind of things, they're gonna help your garden each season And by applying compost throughout the growing season, we can really help to maintain the fertility levels in your soil. And remember, you know, we want to be adding two to three inches of compost in fall or early spring to your garden to help it grow. And if you have terrible luck with gardening so far, and you're kind of feeling like, I can't grow a garden, like I don't have a green thumb. By the way, I don't believe that anybody has a green thumb. Everybody can grow a garden but maybe take a little bit of time and go through the intensive gardening training series um, that we have on the podcast to really dig in and learn a little bit more because it's not too late to start prepping your garden beds and it's never too late to start converting to an intensive garden and using more of these more natural gardening techniques which is ultimately better for you as well as the garden, right? So let's talk a little bit about pest because on the whole, pesticides are bad news. And the use of pesticides, even organic ones, can do more harm than good in your garden. Like even those organic pesticides that you you make yourself, like the natural sprays and things, or you buy an unrelisted uh commercial organic pesticide, they can still hurt the beneficial insects like pollinators in your garden, as well as the bad bugs that you're trying to control. And pests that survive the use of those pesticides are going to be stronger and are going to do even more damage in the garden so that's why in an intensive organic garden pesticides even those natural ones are a last resort so let's change it up and talk about changing your mindset because you know i'm sure most of you listening have walked through a grocery store and a grocery store's produce section if you haven't then definitely next time you're in there go check it out um because it's actually kind of hard to see that pests exist when you look in a grocery store in the produce we do a lot of removing and picking to ensure that there are no nibble marks on the produce for sale consumers such you and me when we're going to the store we don't want to see that there's a hole missing in the middle of the spinach leaf from a bug we don't want to see chew marks on things we want perfect produce that is uniform right we've been kind of conditioned that that is what is normal but when you look in a garden Quite the opposite is true, right? In our garden, though, we cultivate, you know, we can cultivate healthy soil, we can cultivate healthy plants, and we can bring balance to the bad bugs if we can forgive the nibbles, right? And allow a higher tolerance for insect damage. I've walked around so many different gardens, right? And I've walked around them all across the US. Like I love visiting botanical gardens. Um, that was always really fun when I traveled for work. But also, you know, different places within the UK and Europe too. I've seen so many gardens and all of them have insect damage on their plants, right? Insect damage is inevitable. But as a consumer... The world of growing food is quite far removed from the reality, and we have very um, overly sanitized like what it is that produce should look like, right? It should be all uniform, right? It should be free from imperfections. It shouldn't have, you know, nibble marks and stuff like that on it from pests. But really, when you are looking at how, you know, our um, great-grandparents or our grandparents or even her parents, right, in some cases, grew food. That wasn't the case in a garden. There is so much more diversity. There is difference in shapes and sizes and colours and textures because that's how, you know, plants are breeding and um, are, you know, transferring those genes along, right? That That's kind of evolution there. And, you know, being able to accept a higher level of... Um, insect damage on our gardens can actually kind of help to um, bring us closer to the garden as a whole um, but also see the successes that we have in our garden rather than just the failures, right? I can't tell you the number of times I've gone to get what looks like a perfectly juicy tomato only to find that a cricket has chewed half of it off on the other side. That's really frustrating but then, you know, I have to remember, well, I maybe left that a little bit too long on the vine, and that cricket was like, hey, this is a delightful all-you-can-eat buffet, and this is delicious. But also growing different um, varieties vegetables have different tolerances for pests as well and I'll talk a little bit about that um, coming up. But let's talk about um, successional sowing right because as you are moving um, towards an organic garden it is going to take time for those beneficial insects to find your little organic oasis right. It's I, I mentioned earlier it took me a good couple of years before I started getting more and more beneficial insects. And really the last two years have been where my garden is just alive. Like I can go out there any day of the week and it is just humming with bees and Um, native wasps and ladybugs and praying mantises. There is just so much that's there going on, but it didn't happen like that overnight. It took a good couple of years of, you know, planting a variety of plants, having flowers, having things that are going to bring in these beneficial insects, having a place for them to overwinter, right? I don't chop down everything in the garden. I leave some areas a little bit wild, um, to have a haven for some of these predatory insects, but, um, As such, when you are starting to move to an organic garden, you are going to need to accept more damage to your plants than you would like. And one tip that I have to overcome this level of damage is to successionally sow. So that is to succession plants so you can look forward to having a harvest if your first sowing doesn't go well. And this is a technique I use in my garden over and over again especially if I have a scant number of seeds for a rare variety that I've traded in the seed swap right so um often if you guys have been part of a seed swap you don't get loads of seeds as part of that maybe you'll get like a lot of different varieties but maybe you'll only get between five and fifteen seeds um for each plant variety that you're getting because, you know, people are often swapping with lots of different people and you don't want to completely um, obliterate the supply that you have. By the way, if you are interested in a seed swap, there is a thread in the Facebook group, so definitely um, join if you are interested in having a seed swap. There's um, a lot of gardeners that are interested, there's a lot of gardeners that are saving their own seeds, so um, there's a lot of opportunity there. But um, let's go through an example of a succession sowing, right? So let's say um, you know, I've I've got a rare variety in a seed swap. What I'll do is I will sow a variety of the same plants. Let's let's say beans, because I freaking love beans and I have lots of different bean seeds. Um so let's say that I have lots of one variety of seed, let's say it's Bilotti beans, because I grow those most years and I've saved them from oh gosh, a long time from when, when I was in the UK. So let's say that I, I've got some belotti beans that I've saved for a few years, and I did a seed swap and I got five soldier bean seeds. And um, what I would do for this successional sowing is I would plant those belotti seeds first because I've got more of them. So let's say I plant out a row of belotti seeds. The pests might come and munch away at those plants and destroy them and then I would sow my soldier bean seeds that I traded. I would sow those a couple of weeks later um, after the initial pest pressure has passed. Now with any luck, those soldier bean seeds would be able to grow without being decimated by the pests which destroyed the first harvest. And this is a really good strategy for those of you that are troubled by squash bugs, for example, you could do a sowing in early spring and then one again in l- late summer so that you can still get a good harvest even with the insect damage, but you've got more than one opportunity there for plants to be growing and for you to be harvesting. Um, I will say that I really miss not having my chickens um, because they were really great at eating things that were overly damaged you know like produce that was coming from the garden that had like lots of nibble holes um as well as like eating some of the bugs that were causing the damage right they didn't mind one bit leafy greens that had flea beetle damage on them the tomatoes that were obliterated by the crickets um they they liked it even better if the cricket came with the tomato but you know plants that were like very heavily damaged that i'd pulled up um and threw in with the chickens like they they would eat all those bugs they got the extra protein they ate the plants you know it was like this beautiful cycle that was going on and i do really miss not having my chickens but as we're planning on moving um yep definitely um new things that are happening over here um we we don't have chickens at the moment so um hopefully um in the next couple of months we will uh, be settled and um we will have chickens again but chickens were really great at helping maintain pest control but moving towards kind of a holistic pest management like these integrated pest management techniques they take time and you will need to persevere and you know, you you need to keep remembering that success of your garden really is inevitable. And the methods that, you know, you will find that work best in your garden may be different from another gardener in their garden. And don't be discouraged if you have a failure and all that you're seeing is successes on Instagram or on Facebook. You know, gardeners with a lot of experience and gardeners that are really observing the land that they are working with, you know, they're learning these techniques and they're applying them um, and that's part of the the beauty of having a garden is experimenting and finding what is working for you. And once you hone in on those skills, your garden just thrives. And sometimes, you know, it's getting to know some you know getting to know something different. Like when we move, um, if we're moving to um, Texas, let's say, because that's where. I've got family. Um, You know, if we if we move there, like I'm going to have to change how I garden because I've never grown in such high humidity, even when I lived on the East Coast up in New Jersey, like the the humidity and the heat are very different from um, what I would be dealing with in the South and also planting times. Planting times are going to be different depending on where you are so getting an understanding of the area that you're in and what grows best when is really going to help you with your gardening journey and being able to tackle these pests like getting an understanding from the extension office like hey um what pests are prevalent in these areas and where do we see the the most damage you can start to figure out what it is that you need to plant and when, which brings me on to one of the things that we can do to control um, in our garden is timing, right? When seeds are started, that is something we can absolutely control. And you might find it helpful actually to start plants earlier, by starting seeds indoors and doing it under grow lights and then transplanting them out under frost protection in very early spring to get a longer harvest before the pest numbers, also known as the pest pressure, gets too much and becomes a problem. And you can do the same for the back end of the season and have a really great full garden by starting seeds inside and then transplanting out the bigger plants because your pest pressure tends to be highest in the mid-summer for most places places. might be different for other areas but midsummer tends to be um, about the the right time where you have a lot of pests in the garden. The next thing we want to do is to really choose wisely right and by that I'm meaning the variety of plants that we choose to grow are going to make a big difference in our garden. I'm a really big fan of the garden journal to record observations that we have in the garden. You might find that there's certain varieties that are more susceptible to pests than others and by recording these notes and experimenting in your garden that's one of the keys to growing a successful garden and you're going to be able to hone in on those varieties which grow best in your garden and that means that the plants that are growing are going to thrive so for example let's go back to the beans um i know that my bellotti beans thrive really well in the garden as do some romano two, um which is a climbing pole bean those beans are amazing and those have very few pest problems where I am here in Utah Um, but when I move I get to experiment all of these varieties again and find out what is going to grow best in different climates right if we end up on the east coast varieties that grow best there are going to be very different from those that are in Georgia for example or Florida right so hone in on varieties that grow best in your garden and make notes of those observations right if you see a lot of tomato hornworms on a particular variety then maybe not grow that variety right look at the variety that was growing that had fewer um incidences of tomato hornworm on there and maybe try a different variety and see if it has more or less and make sure to record those notes so you don't forget and use those to help drive your decisions in the varieties that you are going to grow um, as you go through those um, exercises each year of, hmm, what am I going to plant this year in my garden? What variety am I going to experiment with this year, right? It's, it's a, a cool experiment to be able to do. And I mean, if you're really looking to be providing a, a reliable resource of food for your family, then really knowing the plants that are are growing and growing well and growing with fewer diseases it must be part of that um, evaluation that you're doing on the plants that you are going to be growing let's talk a little bit about companion planting and i know we've talked a little bit about this um, already on the podcast but planting your veggies in close proximity of flowers herbs and other vegetables really can help to confuse pests with the art of clam- camouflage um, masking you know a pest favourite snack food with other plants around them is really how um, companion planting is working from a pest control perspective. Um, The different leaf shapes, flowers and scents, they all serve to camouflage your plants better than a marine on manoeuvres. You really want to experiment though with different combinations to find what is successful in your garden. Um, For example right now I've got chickpeas, popcorn and blackberries all growing very happily together which was part accident and part intentional um the accidental part was the blackberries appearing Um, but the chickpeas and the popcorn were an intentional combination together but they're growing very happily very healthily and um, I would never have known about that combination if I hadn't have experimented and I hadn't taken notes so take a look Ask your friends that are gardeners. Ask, um, you know, other people that are growing around you and see what is growing good in their garden and use that as a basis to start your garden or try um, a combination of your own or listen to the companion planting podcast episode for some ideas of what you can try in your garden. Okay, the next thing when it comes to um, pest control without pesticides is that you really need to be like Elsa and when you're gardening, and you're not using pesticides you really need to learn to let it go. Um, It is often a better strategy to remove infested leaves by chopping them off if you spot the problem early and you know if you've got pill bugs for example all over a summer squash plant that is now looking a gross kind of mottled yellow color it is probably better to cut the plant off at the base um, you know level with the soil and remove it from the garden and then go back and add compost and mulch to cover the bare soil or use a cover crop, right? We we get very attached to the plants in our garden and we often see it as a failure if that plant is not working. But realistically, what happens is when we're growing, not everything is going to grow well and some things will succumb to pests and it's okay if we just kind of decide to pull it up and get rid of it and start again um, it's okay that that happens you are not a failure as a gardener and you know look at what else is growing better in the garden and learn you know try to kind of figure out what is making that grow better is it the type of plant that is growing better there is it a variety is it the location is it getting more water than some of the others is it getting less water is it somewhere that's getting more sun or less sun? Like what are some of those things that are maybe causing um you know that bed or that plant to have some of those issues and if we can figure out what may be the cause we can start to try things to help remedy those problems and then that will help our garden grow And the last thing I wanted to talk about is to practice good hygiene when it comes to um, your garden. So I tend to collect diseased plant materials in a bucket that only go to the garbage, right? And then other things from the garden that are destined for the chickens or the compost, I put those in a tub truck, right? It's a, like a big flexible tote kind of thing. Um, and because there are two different containers, right, one's a white bucket, one is a, a green tub truck, right? I've got that separation of those containers to stop mix-up of diseased materials going into um, the compost heap, which is uh possibly going to spread those diseases around the garden and that's not something that we want to do we want to keep things separate because if we're going to introduce disease by composting and stuff that's going to help make these problems worse um, and we're going to attract more pests into the garden so keep things separate if you've got disease materials get them out of the garden put them in the garbage don't put them in the composter where they can spread in the garden next year Anyway I hope you found this episode helpful. Please let me know in the Facebook group what it is that you are trying in your garden to tackle the pests with and um, show me pictures of what's growing well in your garden. I love to see how your garden grows. Until next time I hope your garden grows beautifully and I'll see you all next week.